Hello, universe. Well, at times, I think my life makes fun of me just to see if I'll notice. Which, thanks, universe. I do enjoy the game. The dance, the waltz that we do, whatever this comedic timing we're trying to find. I, I, I'm willing to put in the work that's necessary on my side to improve. I know I'm a remedial student, so every opportunity I get that you show me how things probably didn't get executed at their highest level. <sighs> Frustrating though that may be. Yes, improve myself I wish to do. So see those gaps and show them to me with clarity. I appreciate your every attempt at saving my soul, universe. Thank you. Um, having that moment of necessary humility is because when you get to the final 18-ish uh, minutes of this, just know that going in, the highest grade you can give me is a B-. So, I am offering you a favor of trying to do better with whatever constitutes something prior to the last 18 minutes. This might only be two minutes the way things are going right now. Or, hell, a minute 26, right? Pause. Unpause. And uh, for a little bit of intrigue into, well, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? It can't be that bad. How can you already be giving yourself a limited grade on something that you were trying to execute uh, just now and haven't even reviewed? Well, fair point. That's all true. But I know, for instance, I couldn't come up with a fallacy question that is the most common fallacy maybe explained correctly. And that's the complex question fallacy, which is, uh, excuse me, Senator, but when did you stop beating your wife? It's the assumption of an already agreed upon variable that the question inherently depends upon in order for the respondent to even reply. Or a gotcha question is a common version of engaging the complex question fallacy. Having not been able to come up with that USA Today side column point of interest philosophical flagpole, well, B minus. Pause. Um, pause. The only thing I do not like about this little flip floppity flippity flop is it does not put Dr. Kelly Brogan's apology where it should be, which is at the very front of this episode, because that's the first opportunity after the last episode where I fucked up attribution of three, four, maybe five very clear thoughts that I had written down. And because they were so clear, I really thought these can't be my thoughts as I was replying them. I know that's like trying to excuse my own plagiarism. I agree, but I'm not one who believes in intellectual property. As I have said many times, and we'll say again, uh, somewhere in those 18 minutes, but I am one who believes in attribution of gained wisdom from those whose wisdom you have gained. So, Dr. Kelly Brogan, I will be even more effusive with my, um, my respect and admiration for your emergence in my life in the first four minutes of the final 18 minutes, of which I actually think you probably should listen, no matter who you are. But... 
stop there would be my advice because that might be the A minus portion that then turns into a C or D or even some failures. But the Kelly Brogan part, Dr. Kelly Brogan and her ascension into a caring and, and as far as I can tell, um, sharing of all truths learned in her journey without any uh, request for some level of compensation or redress for the effort. I haven't seen a whole lot of that in America, especially from somebody who's absolutely 100% worth listening to. Pause. Um, pause. All right. So in a society filled with lies, what's the number one truth to reveal? Uh, I do not know that my supposition that we live in a society filled with lies is something that everyone would agree to. So number one, let me apologize for assuming that you think that's true. Even if you don't think it's true, it is true. So that would be something worth you personally investigating where you might be succumbing to logical fallacies and thus manipulation and brainwashing to create a reality that you think is not currently filled with lies. But in that reality, the one that is filled with lies, the one where telling the truth is burdensome because you never know what forces of oppression those lies are supporting that will come down upon you for trying to expose said truth to the universe. Well, the number one truth to expose in that circumstance is nobody, and I mean nobody, is truly performing in a manifestation of self-love at the highest order. Well, except maybe Lara Logan. I forget that she's on the planet. Pause. Okay, okay, okay. How about we put it this way? Somewhere, somehow, you have come to the realization that you're not worth the fullest expression of purposeful life. At the joy from within 101% level. It's true. When was the last time you thought you deserved that life? <laughs> yeah. Never? Well, that I'm saddened to hear. But even if it was this morning, in a meditation of finding your inner being's kernel of self-realization, Manifesting it in this world? I mean, literally, how's that going for you? Yeah, it's pies in the face all day long. I fight the same battle, and I come up with the same results. Nobody out there wants to believe that not just they, but in uh, association of self-realization for all of us, we all deserve life at the most fulfilled 101% joy from within level of existence. We were not born on a planet designed to test our ability to dole those experiences out according to some level of pre-evaluated standard. Nope. We're all here for purpose. And that is to lead the humanity singing realized life of this purpose for all of us coming to bear as a group. So, 
if I could talk the lie out of everyone's head that they're not worth it, well, maybe they'd see that we're all worth it. So that's the lie I would untell first. You're absolutely worth it. And you always have been. Pause. Oh, pause. Okay, that also means, though, you have to know that you're worth it and be willing to do the work to provide your best self to the universe as a result of feeling worth it. And yeah, all societies right now are stifling that potential intention. But you have all the gifts and powers to rise above it. Believe in yourself, you must. I mean, you do, right? That's a fundamental gift you have to give yourself, is that you believe you can do it. That you are a human being with a skill set above and beyond everything else here on this planet. So there's nothing you can't do. Don't ever forget that. Pause. Unpause. Okay. Now, one of the things that has been uh, the least expected yet, maybe the most, uh, after the fact, rewarding part of this diatribe process is how much the audience is 50% United States of America and 50% the rest of the world, which I love. The idea that in some way, shape, or form, the interest level from outside this country is strong enough to tap into this quirky view of American uh, circumstances in this, the year after the year after love was left on the cutting room floor. Well, I almost feel an obligation to try to relay some of the psychosis that I think from afar, would be hard to intuit, America suffers. And while you can look at all the New York Times and Forbes and Variety and who else is on that? Bloom, is Bloomberg part of that group? You know, you can look at one of the five major corporations and what they have to say to foreigners. Foreigners, that's rude of me to say. What they have to say to uh, the world at large uh, as a sort of image-crafting lie of what's America-like, and some of that's actually going to give you uh, at least a somewhat fair picture, but none of that is ever going to give you a picture of the mechanisms America uh, puts in place from the day you are born, and the the goo that you end up just uh, pulling off yourself as you is you just can't help but be infected by this country's processes, messaging, the media, the the books of filled with untruths, the citations, the censorship. I mean, there's there's a lot of head trauma, meaning inside your brain, that comes with the American experience. And uh I remember my first travel to a third world country. Again, excuse the uh, the colonialism baked into my even s- statement here. But I went to Belize when I was in college, my junior year. And I w- spent two weeks there and got to travel to Guatemala and into Mexico. And where else did we go? Oh, Nicaragua for a day. Um, we were... We were... 
both of us. I went with a friend, uh, Emily, and Emily and I were both on day one and until we left, stunned at how much happier everyone in that country was than everyone we knew in America. And we were, um, we were in some of the best positions America offered young people to be happy. And we weren't speaking of our political leaders or our professors or our parents, nothing of the kind. We were speaking of our friends. So it was, it was eye-opening. It was my first chance probably to come to grips with the fact that I had a soul. Because what I saw in Belize were people who had already figured out that there is no such thing as happiness, but a world filled with joy is a world worth living. And a life that can embrace and manifest joy from within is a life that's happy regardless of circumstance. It was all on display there. It was not just on display. It was what was separating me from the experience that I didn't understand. These weren't happy people. These were joyful people. But an American having that epiphany, while fast-track to some corporate law future of cabana boys in Tokyo penthouses, well, I wasn't even allowed the breadth of thought possibility to go there. These people can't be happy down here. They just must all be taking drugs, right? Bust. I'm bust. So if you have to leave America to understand that you don't even know what joy is, uh, well, what the fuck else does America do to you, right? Like, I keep talking about this goo that I've got to peel off myself that maybe a Somalian is not peeling off themselves. Or maybe they are, I don't know, maybe this is universal to the human experience. But what I was going to try to capture today are the things I believe prove that America is an uncaring nation. One of the things that you can just sort of come to assume in life is that whatever your current circumstance, paradigm, way of going, is built in certain levels of just acceptability and tolerability, they just are, uh, they're okay. They're not really influencing my life. So whatever that is going on with them is fine. And I say this because I fear that the core underpinning of what makes America an uncaring nation is we've decided to stop caring. And since that sounds like one of those logical fallacies I was speaking of, in the future here, it is imperative that I at least explain what I mean when I say the number one reason that we're no longer a caring nation is because we're okay with it. And I'm not being a hypocrite. I am totally untrained okay with it here. Because somehow or another, one of these you've said, well, whatever. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It's what's going on. And I am not even concerned to get involved. So now you can talk to me about all the, uh, the fentanyl deaths. And I can feel that's a tragedy. But 
if you want to talk to me about uh, drug abuse in America and that that is somehow a new condition under which we are now uh, an uncaring nation, well, I say to you that welcome to the party, dipshit. How long you've been looking at the universe trying to figure out things that could be better if drug addiction just made your list. Okay, yeah. See, I get it. I do. I do. I do. Um, but to me, fentanyl is a new level of attack. So that's why I have it on my list of things that prove we don't care. Fentanyl is a it is a game of Russian roulette. It's not a question of will you die playing? You will die playing. It's just how long can you play the game? And since that level of drug addiction now exists, the fact that we don't have a mobilized counterattack against it, well, chalk that up is one reason I think America is an uncaring nation. Pause. Um, pause. Okie dokie. Well, if you didn't like drug addiction, you're not going to like homelessness. But, but, homelessness is now something experienced by 650,000 Americans, which may not sound like a lot, unless you realize that that's gone up from 400,000, well, 440,000 Americans, to be fair, in 2022. And the number in May of 2023 was 560. The number of December 2023 is 650. So, considering that everything in America is data massaged to favor a narrative, and the narrative here would be, there are fewer homeless than you think. Just assume there are a million people every night wondering which of the available public venues is the best one to camp down for an evening's attempt at rest. In Denver, speaking just off nothing more than my own personal experience. Well, I've seen people in tents in places I have never imagined a human being would think of camping. But what little coverage from inclement weather it provides is enough enticement to at least stay somewhat protected compared to exposed completely to the elements. So under bridge overpasses, in neighborhoods, Next to golf courses, sit tents of people wondering how it got this bad. What are they going to do to improve it? And does anybody give a fuck? Well, it's America. So, probably not. Pause. Um, pause. Which is, um, uh, it's... When the problem is two blocks down the street, literally on hole number 12 of Willis Case Golf Course, well, now, I mean, that takes me to this line I wrote down here as another problem that proves we're not a caring nation. NIMBY. Not my backyard, motherfucker. I don't give a shit what you have to do to fix the goddamn drug addiction problem in this silly city full of addicts. I just don't want to see a methadone clinic in my neighborhood because then you'll just bring all those filthy fuckers in here. Now, <clears throat> that's some hyperbolic shit from the 80s. 
That's like 40 years ago that people used to talk like that. At least I don't think they talk like that publicly anymore. Or maybe they do. Maybe that's a badge of honor to be someone who hates drug addicts. It used to be. I don't think it is anymore. But if you're not a society that's willing to address its basic problems because your reality needs to be protected from those incursions, well, how caring are you? Well, it's not my fault they made all the bad choices to get to where they are in life. Make better choices, and then we all live in better neighborhoods, and I don't have to worry about your sorry ass looking for methadone. Ah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And I and I I do see your moral superiority, the foundation on which you're building this argument of I'm better than everyone else, or at least than those underachievers. Ah if 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 that is where your soul finds the most comfort, you actually feel fulfilled and that destiny has been satisfied by knowing your superiority over most of the people you can view among you, then I don't have anything else to add, I guess. I think you found the fulfilling life you were looking for, and I assume have your own podcast, which I probably would like to listen to. So if you wouldn't mind shooting that to my email, heideggersgoldfish at gmail.com, You'll have a new fan. Pause. Um, pause. Yeah, but NIMBY is one thing with a methadone clinic. And it's another thing when people are camping literally in your front yard. At what point do I do I get to not be so woke that I won't say, hey, this isn't fair or right or something I have to accommodate? Um, hmm. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Seeing people camping on Willis Case golf course was shocking. One would think that a civilized society, especially one with more wealth than any other nation in the world, would be able to figure out a resource distribution that keeps people from having to camp on golf courses for shelter at night. And so, like you, that NIMBY part, it's not that I think... Well, fuck no, not in my backyard, motherfucker. Get off that golf course. Get your tent. Get your, get your, is that a Coleman, is that the new Coleman stove? You like that? Is that a good cooker? Well, get, pack it all up and get it off the fucking property because it's private property. So you can't be here. Now get off property and don't be getting under the overpass because I'll kick you out of there next. Uh, when those occurrences are literally happening, it's not so much that I'm like, Get them the fuck out of here. I don't want to see that shit in my backyard. I think the problem's gotten to the point where people are desperate enough that they're choosing my backyard. Then I must have missed my opportunity to go contribute to this accelerating problem previously because I now see things have gotten out of control. So how can I help? Or (laughs) what? I told you not to be under the overpass. God damn it. Shit. Fuck. I need to wipe all the snow off my car here. (laughs) Just, will you get out of here? I don't want to ever see you again. And if I do, I'm going to arrest you. For something, whatever you're doing, I'll call it illegal and you'll be in jail. Pause. Um, pause. Okay. Yes. To anybody listening, that was me using hyperbole and characterization through... Uh, ex- 
extreme versions of people I don't even know. In other words, I'm just making shit up. Except that the homeless people are living on Willow's Case Golf Course and under the overpasses. That part I'm not making up. And having seen them rousted from their perches by law enforcement once, well, I'm taking a few liberties, but not many. Pause. Which, I guess, on pause, leads us to the natural transition of the incarceration rate here in America. Which, no matter what country you're listening from, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad I'm not in America, because that's bullshit. That we have 25% of the entire prison population on this planet, while having only 5% of the population actually on this planet. Meaning, we lock up more people per capita than almost every other nation combined. Think about that. And then think, wait a second, you said 25%, every other nation would be 75%. So, no, we don't. Thank you. If you don't start listening for people telling you bullshit, you're not going to hear bullshit. You're just going to start going, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true, man. we got more prisoners than the rest of the world combined. Well, while that's not true, the fact that we have more prisoners per capita than all other civilized, quote-unquote, first world countries combined, well, that should scare you. Because civilized countries aren't looking to tell people that they are mistakes, they're failures, they are now severe enough issues, they must be separated and quarantined to protect the rest of us from their vile, offensive ways. And yet, in America, well, if you're not, if you're not given any kind of true um, familiarity with the penal system, the judicial system in this country. In other words, if you've never been in a courtroom where you are summoned to appear and have been charged and are facing some level of incarceration, then it's possible to just believe that our justice system has an integrity and, and honor that stands at least as cleanly above that which it's trying to maintain, law and order, as it can. Because these aren't easy areas where subjective levels of infraction exist. And the unfairness that any system will inherently expose is essentially man's folly manifesting. What can we do? Yeah, I know, I know. We do have the best judicial system that the media ever told us we could have. So then why are we not doing any level of rehabilitation? Like other countries make the foundation of their criminal corrections. If somebody has done something that makes them so uh, offensive as to need to be separated from the population, then isn't everything in that point of separation, isn't the purpose to help whatever individual's actions are thus so offensive to never be again recreated. Stumble over words, I can, but I think the point is, if you have people who you think have misaligned their idea of what's right and what's not right in society, as you take them away to let them think about that, help them understand that there are other ways to act and that 
this is how, going forward, you can maintain a better sense of civility within your own social structure. Wow, that's like the clumsiest wording I've ever given anything. I'm going to go celebrate. Pause. On pause. All right. Pinata party now over. But um, moving into, well, not off incarcerations yet. Because a caring society can almost be judged entirely by how they treat their prisoners, of whom they self-select to determine a life's fate uniquely constricted by a state of authority that, given the authority they have that no one else has, can easily venture into abuse. So, if we're not an example of a system venturing into abuse, then find me another system on the planet that is more abusive than America's. Just one. And I will literally wait here until you come back. But I'm going to keep talking because you're going to be a while. Um, Another thing that shows we're not a caring nation is how we have evolved in 21st century legalese the concept of a terrorist. Now, (laughs) homeboy, did you not experience 9-11 with the rest of us? You were here, remember? I know you were with those two. Well, I won't tell them. Okay, let's face it. 9-11 is a day that changed everything. And the thing it changed the most was how bold the legal, uh, uh, the legislation that we uh, were willing to accept as necessary became. The, uh, the Patriot Act was just the beginning of what has turned into a, a process whereby a United States citizen, for speaking the truth, can be designated legally a terrorist and thus held accountable for exposing that truth with all of the weight and authority that the law is granted in pursuit of terrorist offenses. Yes, the truth in America can make you Osama bin Laden immediately. And if you don't know that's the law, and you find yourself having broken that law, well, we don't have a lot of forgiveness for people who didn't understand the law before they broke it. But that law exists. Speaking the truth in America, if it threatens the power structure's stability, can be deemed a terrorist act, thus denoting you a terrorist, who is now in Guantanamo being waterboarded. Uh, being not waterboarded, I meant. Unpause. Okay. Now, I hear I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Asking us to, to make a better future by using our government system to uh, boot out the bad guys and bring in the good guys. I like it. I like it. That's good, good, solid, responsive advice from the world at large. Which makes the fact that our voting systems, which have been completely compromised, and even subtly but still more important is the fact that our governmental system, the structure that it is, how it was arranged and built, it is unfortunately um, doomed to fall into a state of abject corruption. And 
because that is inherent in the model, that it will finish with the collapse of of uh, social, governmental, um, what, um, integrity, I guess. Anyway, my point is, this is a system where uh, bribery is, um, it, there is, there is no retribution for having uh, taken advantage of a legislative member um, and using your advantage to make them uh, create legislation in your favor. This sort of activity, inevitable as it is in a system that's built like ours, it, it just becomes the way that things go. And once they get to that point and everybody's in on the game, which is where we are, well, then there's no penetrating that bubble of of uh, of true uh, mob bosses because as much as I would like to think Russian mob bosses are uh, are hysterical in the climate of uh, of oligarchy uh, propaganda no the real mob bosses they're sitting in Washington and because the corruption has now created enough um, enough, dirt on all of them that it's just down to protect thy own and the only way to protect thy own is to believe that everybody else is protecting thy own with you well that that now includes the fbi the cia the judicial the judicial system it's all of it they've all bought in to their little advantage and as doing so has led to bigger and bigger advantage that they all just thought well if they're doing it then we're doing it to the point that now they're as compromised as politicians have ever been. That's why my path forward, the only one that makes sense is to forgive everybody for everything. Because if you try to unwind that cluster of chaotic soul killing behavior, well, I don't know. What's your plan? Nuclear weapons? Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I'd rather forgive everybody in the world for all their transgressions than pull out the nukes. Pause. But America being an uncaring nation. <laughs> where them where them launch codes? Do you guys know where we put that nuclear football? Oh, it's on the plane? Okay, no, I'll go get it. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, the fact that this uncaring, um, percolating, and... Uh, less and less satisfied by the day nation has the nuclear weapons. Well, it's a sobering moment, right? Okay, let's finish the list because suicide, uh, censorship, all the missing children in this country. I mean, for fuck's sake, if that's not a crisis that shows how uncaring we are, I don't know what is. Our legalized... Uh, propaganda, we had to legislate that it was legal to fool the country about issues that you knew were untrue. We have now made that okay. <laughs> I mean, is that a caring nation? You know what we need? We need laws that uh, protect us from any retribution for our lives. So can we just make it okay that we lie? Yeah, we can. Oh, awesome. <sighs> Can we make that retroactive? That would be sweet. Pause. Unpause. All right. Seeing that I'm at 35 and 45, 
already and knowing that there's another 18 coming that again i recommend you just either quit now and uh and forever think of dr kelly uh rogan as a person of interest worth looking into or you are still on the fence there and listen to the first four minutes of the next introduction and then hit stop but that's it because whatever comes after that i don't even know that it it's falling under the new guise of well if i set it with the intent to distribute it then distribute it i will so that i can make up for the four episodes you'll never hear from ever again and with that um own sense of limitation and correction i would just like to say for anybody listening from anywhere outside the united states of america it can seem like we have no plan here right like we have no idea what we're doing it's just a mess of waiting to get messier and to a certain extent i think you're right but more and more i'm finding people who are combating the traditional life they fell into filled with mistruths and misdirected messaging that led to flat-out lies, we are all not taking it. And so as we find a way to navigate the system that they are protecting themselves within, don't give up on us. I have hope, and you should too. Hello, universe. Say about 13-ish countries, regions of this planet. But let's get into that later. Because the first thing I wanted to do today is um, apologize to Dr. Kelly Brogan. Because I had her name written down as the attribution for three or four, oh, five, maybe five thoughts. I'm not sure who... There are at least four, maybe five, that um, I had written her name down and then crossed it off because of putting her in my list of people to trust, whatever. I was confusing myself beyond the pale. And as such, came up with uh, some some thoughts yesterday's recording that while I didn't necessarily recognize them, which I find fucking hilarious, um, now I know why. And so I am not one to believe in intellectual property, but I am one to believe in attributing any uh, foundational or or argumentative um, facts to uh, help me navigate this universe. I don't just come up with these things on my own. Most of it, fortunately, I find other people have discovered and are now sharing with me. So, when someone like Dr. Kelly Brogan puts the, (laughs) when I was saying that uh, the truth, the burdensome word was the one that got me, because that's a word I wouldn't use. I have an enormous, oh, that one is not me. Truth puts you in a burdensome state. Change implies we need wrong, we were wrong originally, previously. Yes, that's her. So is joy versus happiness. Hurt essentially uh, take on joy versus happiness is what I'm going to share today. So if you like these little tidbits, go explore her. 
she is an MIT graduate, which is not to signify through certification she has a level of respect due. But what MIT graduates here do represent are the highest level of matriculation into the STEM fields that our university system provides. It's number one. It has been for decades. And as such, gravitation into those channels strengthen themselves and reinforce themselves as almost impenetrable once they're as established as MIT. Well, you can't go through that progress without having a certain analytical and uh, and reasoning-centered mind. Whether or not you maintain that, I don't care. You've been exposed to it at the highest level. And so her progression from... Uh, from a medical psychologist or a psychiatrist, I believe. I'm not going to speak to her career, but her progression of life through that start to who she is today is is so well explained and shared with her both uh, uh, professional side and personal side that I deeply respect how uh, divulgent and considerate and caring and um, trustworthy and apparently um, plagiarizable. So, Dr. Kelly Brogan, I did not intend to uh, utilize some of your most basic truth moments of conversation in one conversation you have with Dr. Tom Callan to become the foundation of me sounding smarter than I am. So, thank you for making the universe less hateful, and more in love with itself. Two missions I couldn't have as higher priorities myself. So, now having given you at least somewhat of the attribution you deserve. Well, and consensus reality versus the truth. That's your fifth, That's the fifth one. Okay, so there are five. Holy shit, woman. You are smart as fuck and insightful. Both are rare. Um, I don't even know if I have time to get into consensus. We're going to do consensus reality versus the truth later. That's got too much philosophy in it for me. I'll have to wander down some roads for you on that one. But So let's just go back to truth puts you in a burdensome state. I did falsely claim... Well, no, I knew this wasn't begging the question. Begging the question is assuming something is, is part... is indeed true, therefore... Uh, accepting your experience as reinforcing that makes it true. In other words, if I say to you, uh, uh, ghosts are real, uh, because I've had uh, experiences in this world that can only be described as interacting with ghosts. So, there you go. They're real. That's begging the question, because I'm already assuming that you and I agree that ghosts exist, or else what the fuck am I talking about? So, that clearly is not what is happening when you say something like truth puts you in a burdensome state. And I am not, and the biggest mistake people use begging the question as is this statement necessitates this follow-up question. That's what people think begging the question means. But it's, that's not the logical fallacy. This isn't even that. 
And the logical fallacy I was trying to think of is, I think it's the complex question fallacy where if you have, uh, if you have, um, let's see if I can, I don't know if I can come up with an example of this. This one sucks. Uh, like I said, I should be better with logic. I should have done better in my, I actually got an A in logic and I can't remember shit. I think I saw that textbook. All right. I'll go figure out my fallacies for you. Will I? Will I do that? Maybe. Probably not. Okay. This, the um, this emerging um, dissociative schizophrenic side of myself wants me to recorrect my statement. I'm not going to do this for you. But if, if you really do want to feel um, hmm, better clarity of thought in your own head, Learning what the fallacies of logical argument are can at least give you some guidance into where you may just be more brainwashed than you realized. Pause. On pause. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not like this will make the world better. It'll just make you more armed to uh, navigate the nonsense. And so in that way, you can feel a little bit uh, uh, less vulnerable in a world trying to take advantage of you. And I'm not, this is not one where I want to look. If anyone here is getting taken to task, it's me, nobody else. So why I'm being sort of a rainy down spout cloud of, sorry, I'll stop even talking about that. Cause that doesn't make any sense. All right. All right, Dr. Kelly Brogan, how about joy versus happiness? This one's easy, but something you really have to consider for your own fulfillment in life. You're not chasing happiness, ever. Happiness is fulfillment from outside activities that go away that make you pleased. Joy is being happy from within in almost every circumstance, except, I don't know what it would be, maybe defending your life against uh, a life or death attack. I don't know. That might not be a moment in which manifesting joy is possible. But in almost every other occasion in life, you can manifest joy from within. You just have to believe you're worth it. And I know I keep saying, you have to believe you're worthy. You have to believe you're worth it. Fuck you, bro. I'm worth it. Now I believe it. I don't feel like I'm manifesting joy at the moment. Nothing changed. <sighs> yeah, I get that. Because I used to manifest darkness from within. So manifesting joy was something I don't think I understood was a mechanism that you could engage by choice. But almost like getting in better shape, you have to exercise it, to realize it, to find out what your capacity is, which is essentially unlimited. How far do you want to take joy? And I think in this type of reality structured as it is with all the chicanery, there's a level of joy cap that is healthy for you. But it doesn't mean that the human experience isn't one that can be lost in eternal bliss of joy. There's no reason that that's not the goal. That is the goal. And frankly, is a reality that's been lived in this human meat suit before. It's just, again, I really don't know what all the fucking manipulation is from. I don't know. This can't really be like biblical 
got good versus evil, the stand of Stephen King shit. If it is, then I'm trash can, man. I know that. I read that book. Yeah, that book's fucking tedious. I agree. But I had to read it for a friend because she said it was the best book ever written. And after finishing it, I thought, you know what? Just like entering this project, I knew if you told me a Stephen King book was the best book ever written, that I was going to have trouble believing you. And I was right. Not that I am a snob against Stephen King. I think his his four or five best stories, of which uh, Dolores Claiborne and uh, Shawshank Redemption certainly make a list. Oh, and Lawnmower Man. Uh, pause. Unpause. All right. I also forgot to apologize for the recording like two or three ago that's really quiet. I've learned I can't record with my Nokia X100 because apparently... One week of sporadic microphone use overwhelmed the microphone to the point that now it's kind of half busted. I have no idea why. So I did the normal thing where I just shoved some sharp shit in the holes that are there that are the microphone. So I'm sure now I've made it worse. But since that's the case, this is my primary phone and by far the one that records the best result. So when it texts, uh, and I have forgotten to hit the do not disturb part. I'm apologizing for that right now because I know that's going to happen in the future and it's already annoyed some of the recordings in the past. So I wish I could say that I fixed that, but because I can't use an alternative phone, I'm going to say that that's just one that I'm going to have to apologize for as it happens in the future. Fortunately, I don't get that much texting. So whether or not it'll be an issue this week, I doubt it. I doubt it. All right. Uh... Jeez. Uh, okay. Saying greetings in another language is inherently tough. And that is because in every language there, are, well, the French kind of, with their 23 known salutations of hello, are way lower than Spanish, who have 77. And in English, there are 100 plus. And there are, of course, variations of creative innovation that happen all the time. So this is not a limited look. But it is an admittance that even to try to say, Salam, Iran. Well, that might be one of 56 different greetings that uh, I'm even using the least uh, common among them as language has flourished. I wouldn't know any of this. I'm a dumb American. So, what clumsy extension of civility or social grace I may throw your way only to find out that it's just landing on your face like some alien that's going to now impregnate you and make you take over the ship? I mean, you'll be dead, but your offspring will do some fucking havoc. Well, if... Or is that a parasite? So that's not offspring. What is that? Your... Your... What is that? What is the result of a parasite that forms because it took over your body? Anybody got that? Anybody went to med school? No? Pause. And don't think I don't see the irony of speaking into another area of which I have very little direct knowledge and thus I'm over my head before I even get there. I know. I didn't go to med school and I do not speak Farsi. These are things I keep telling myself so I don't actually act like I did. Pause. Unpause. All right, back to the language thing. The hello, 
and hello and the uh the interesting overlap and it wasn't that there was a second commonly repeat it was that between the haze of which there are a bunch six or seven and the hola of which there are a bunch and the hello and the hellos well you have essentially the entire syllable what would those be whatever those sounds in the variety of uh of spoken uh two syllable variations hey being the exception but it's the beginning of hello it's it's interesting that that we have such common greeting uh basic customs in regions of the world where the rest of the language developed very specifically and it makes me wonder if that was just the easiest way generally to uh start with civilizations with whom you didn't have language overlap was to at least commonalize greetings as much as possible whenever uh a new culture was uh encountered i know stoner thought number two pause all right all right i'm paused back to the truth puts you in a burdensome state to which i said but only in a state where it's filled with lies uh because in a in a truthful uh realization of civilization at its highest level well then the truth does everything but put you in a burdensome state it is the uh the only thing you know it's the way of everything but once you're in a position where truth is a navigable quantity of um misshapen kind well yeah truth can feel burdensome because the consequence of truth is the the uh disclosure of untruth or the reckoning of untruth and if that reckoning has consequence that truth sometimes serves up that reckoning can put truth tellers in burdensome places and i know that's what's happening here in my pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america country but when i pledged allegiance to this flag they told me that things like censorship were what the russians did with their newspaper they called pravda which had the direct irony of meaning truth and even as a second grader i understood that yeah that is ironic that you would name a paper truth and then have it filled with nothing but lies hmm glad i didn't get born in russia got born over here with freedom of the press because that that looks like it could kill a society if the press somehow just was spouting lies and pretending it was truth so as a second grader my fortunes were solid i was liking my position gonna live in a world with thousands of newspapers telling me the truth or maybe i'll live in a world with five corporations all telling me lies no that would mean i would be in russia well no because they don't have corporations they have what bullies bullies um mafia dons i don't know what's the current propaganda about what 
Russian civilization structure looks like. What do they have? Oligarchies? Is that a good one? We use that over there? Hmm? Oh, mob bosses. Ha, yeah. Fuck yeah. Russian mob bosses. I like it. <laughs>